Great to be with you again. <clears throat> Just so proud of these guys and their obedience to follow him and, and uh, plant this church. You know, planting a church is a major thing. <laughs> Not just the, it's, it's not just in the natural, it's in the spiritual realm. And I, I think that the, the best form of evangelism is planting a church and, and opening up a lighthouse where people can really see the light and come home in relationship to him. I am uh, glad to be here this morning. If you heard the weather reports, we were unsure whether we would get here because we live in Wasega Beach, which is about an hour and a half away, north. And the weather up there is totally different from down here. <laughs> I remember one time we were driving to the airport. Thankfully, you know, we went the day before because we had an early flight the next day. And, you know, the, the weather report was whiteouts and snow squalls and and I'm thinking, I had a four-wheel drive, and I thought, nothing will stop me. Great man of faith. <laughs> and as, we, as we're driving out of Wasega Beach to Stainer, which is on Airport Road, we can't see a thing. Literally, I had to drive for the next seven hours with my head out the window looking at the side of the road. <laughs> making sure I wouldn't go into the curb. But we got there. But uh, thankfully today it was just rain. So we actually got here early, which was nice. But I'm here with my lovely wife, Heather. And uh, we've been together over 50 years. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> And uh, coming up to our 48th anniversary. So I am the husband of one wife. Isn't that good? <laughs> well, this morning, I, I think what I'm going to be talking about, I never know until I, I get into the flow. And that is faith. Um, a year ago, January, I was asking the Lord for a word for 2018. And the word that he gave me was, was in Joshua 1.6. And it, it's, it's, you know, where Moses has turned everything over to Joshua. And what the Lord promises Joshua is that he will possess the land. He will possess his inheritance. Do you know you have an inheritance? Do you know that God has promised something to you that is unique to you? And he wants you to be able to take full possession of it. Not just for yourself, but this is going to be for the generations to come. It is amazing to me you know, looking back 25 years since the outpouring in Toronto, and I have the, the privilege of traveling around the world, and I meet a lot of people who I knew back then who saw themselves like grasshoppers instead of giant killers. Yeah. <laughs> 
And you know, it's like when God gives you a vision for something, you go, who, me? You know, you got to be kidding. Because, you know, he's not going to ask you to do something you can do. Hello? Because <laughs> that doesn't take faith. He's going to ask you to do something that is way outside your realm of possibility. Way outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, back in the days when we used to have R.T. Kendall come to Toronto, I remember something he said that just was such a rhema to me. And it was this, that the anointing is just outside your comfort zone. It's just outside of that fear of being wrong. The fear that, you know, yes, but, or what if... What if I fail? What if I, I didn't hear God right? Wonder if maybe it's not the time. But, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. <laughs> it's always the risk. You're never entirely sure it's God until you take the risk. So, you know, you're sitting in a meeting like this and maybe the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about maybe praying for someone, prophesying over them. Um, just as you said, Ramesh, you know, last, last Sunday, was it? Somebody got healed of, had arthritic pain in their chest. You, you could have thought, you know, when you got that word, oh, that, that isn't God, or what if I'm wrong? But the anointing is just on the other side of that. And we, we have to break through our fear, break through the yes buts and the what ifs to possess something. And when you look back to Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two out of all the tribes of Israel, all of the leaders of Israel, who were willing to step outside their comfort zone and possess the promise of God. To, to make what God said a reality. How many know that what God has spoken over your life is more real than anything? <laughs> what, what he has had in his heart for your life from all of eternity past is more real than anything you believe about yourself today. In heaven, everybody knows your inheritance, your destiny, what the Father has said about you. And you know, the big struggle here on earth is to believe what he says. Before we feel it, before we see it, we just, we just have to believe it before we actually experience it. And, the, and, you know, at the Grammys this year, there was a girl named Lauren Daigle who won a Grammy for this song. I'm just going to play it. Can we do that? So this is the battle to believe 
And you know, it's not to believe just with your head only, but to believe with your heart. So that when you're, when you're tested, you're not moved. So as I said, a year ago, January, the Lord gave me this word, Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous, and you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous. Now, when I say be strong, what do you think of? Get fit, boy. <laughs> See, that, that's being strong in faith. Being strong in your weakness. Not with, with you trying to, you know, pump it up and, and, and compensate for your own weakness, but really relying on his grace. Because it's grace that gives you strength. And when I say grace, I mean God's ability. It is his wisdom. It is his power. It's, it's everything you need to obey him. And the only way that I'm going to possess my inheritance is if I learn to delight in my weakness yeah. instead of being ashamed of it. Because the only way this works, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, when he's praying about that thorn in his flesh, he said what he learned was what God spoke to him was, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. And Paul says there, he says, I learned to delight in my weakness. I learned to boast in my weakness. To have no shame of my weakness. Now that's pretty, that's quite a quantum leap from where he was. Because Paul, before Christ, was a perfectionist. And for a perfectionist to admit they have weakness, that's like... Parting the Red Sea. <laughs> because our security and our pride is in getting it perfect. So for that person to, to admit weakness is, is a long way down. But the only way this is going to work is, is being strong in grace is if I can be completely humble. You know, Moses was chosen as the deliverer of Israel because he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And, and so, <clears throat> to be strong and courageous, the word courage, when it was initially, um, it came into the English language, this is what it meant. It meant to speak the truth from your heart. Speak the truth from your heart. I got that from watching a YouTube video by Dr. Brene Brown. And she was a, a shame researcher. What a job. <laughs> and she researched shame, researched shame for, for 12 years. And she's a professor at Houston University and now, you know, speaks all over the world on this. But her first TED Talk, I highly recommend you, you watch it. It's about 20 minutes long. And after she gave this TED Talk, 
she, she said on the Oprah show that she had a vulnerability hangover for about four days after she did that talk. She had thought, you know, maybe there would be 400 views of this on YouTube. And it went viral. Millions of people saw her 20-minute talk on shame. And as she, you know, stood up there to give her talk, this is what she shared afterwards, the backstory. You know, that song that we, was just sung, there's a backstory to that song. To Brene Brown, there was a backstory. Because it wasn't until she had to be vulnerable in front of the whole world did she realize how much shame was still there. <laughs> and so when God spoke to me last year, be strong and courageous. Oh, I've had quite a year. <laughs> I've had quite a year. You know, when, when he wants to increase in something in your life, it requires a decrease in you. If you're going to have more faith, you're going to be aware of your unbelief. If you're going to walk in greater honor, you're going to have a lot of shame come to the surface. <laughs> it's, it's, if you're going to have greater faith, it's not about us just receiving something, like I did that word. It's also emptying out what I do believe. The unbelief. What, what do I believe about myself compared to what he believes about me? In my heart, not just my head, because I know the right stuff in my head. But you see, it's only when you're tested, when you, you have to step up, when you have to get out of your comfort zone, when you have to cross the line, do you become aware of what you believe in your heart. And Brene Brown, as she stood up there courageously... She didn't just give all this teaching about shame. She, she, she started off just by talking about what she went through to get there. And the stuff in her own heart that was coming to the surface. <laughs> and, and she's just hilarious because she was just so honest. And you see, it's that honesty that people are looking for. Because if I can be honest with you, or you can be honest with me, I become a safe place to you, and you become a safe place to me. You know, the thing with shame is we all, all of us think we're the only ones. I'm the only one who struggles with this stuff. You know, I should be better than this. I should be over this. I should be through this. You don't get through it until he brings you through it. And, and you know, <laughs> the road, the journey out of what I have believed about myself may be 10 miles long. And when I take the first step in that direction, by not living in the fear of not being good enough, because what holds us back is the fear of not being good enough. The fear of what if I fail? What if, yes, but, you know? I think that's what God says, but how can I be sure? 
Well, you're never sure until you step out. And you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing for it not to be God. Oh. So last year, the Father says to me, be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong in faith. Be courageous. Speak the truth from your heart. Be vulnerable in your weakness. Boast in your weakness. Delight in your weakness. So anyway, last year I get an invitation from a good friend of mine uh, to speak at a school in New Zealand. And my good friend is James Jordan. Anybody heard of James Jordan? You know, James is one of the, he's, he's really a prophet. And, and I, he's one of these people I could just sit there all day just drinking it in. It's amazing. And here's James and I who went through the same ministry with Jack Winter years ago. Him in 1978, my wife and I were there in 83. And we both gleaned and supported and became a part of the ministry Jack Winter started. This is in Martinsville, Indiana. And we're on staff there and we started another ministry center in northern Minnesota and we did a lot of, a lot of stuff. And <clears throat> so we have history. And, and here I was invited <laughs> to speak in this school for a week which is in, on an island in New Zealand, where 65 people came from all over the world to spend three months to really go deeper in that song, What You Say. Because, you know, you can have the scripture in your mind, but you never know what you believe until you are tested. You think you could believe in, you believe in healing? until you get sick or, or your partner gets sick. You, you think you have faith for this or faith for that, but we never know until we're tested. And when we're tested, we either go to what somebody else has said, what the doctors say, what the statistics say, or we go to what he said. Right? That's, that's the battle. And, you know, the backstory story with, with, with Lauren Daigle was, she shares this on YouTube as well, just the struggle she was in at that time. You know, trying to, trying to pioneer this thing. Never dreaming, you know, she'd get a... In other words, that song was her weakest moment to date. But out of that song, she gets a Grammy. You know, those of you who remember Rob Critchley, yeah. it, it was out of his weakest moment he wrote a song called What a Faithful God. And that song went viral. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a testimony to me. It's an encouragement to me, you know, that, that in weakness, there's, there's beauty for ashes. 
There's joy instead of mourning. If I will cling to what he said. So last year, I get this invitation to go to New Zealand. And it was a great time. And I spent a week with James and Denise after that. And then we were doing a conference together. My last trip last year was in California with James and Denise. And we were, the conference was advertised as the three foremost father heart speakers. And it was, it was myself and James and Ed Peoric. And we were to do this four-day conference uh, near Los Angeles. And when I saw the advertisement for that conference, I immediately emailed a friend of mine who posted that and said, I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not one of the three foremost father speakers. So, you know, take that down, change it. So he modified it a little bit. But I immediately reacted. You see, that statement is what James Jordan said about me. That's his opinion of me. Okay? And probably the father's opinion of me. Because guess what? Every one of us is the greatest. <laughs> Every one of us is his favorite. Every one of us has the potential to be the foremost. To be the Joshua and Caleb who pioneer and lead other people to inherit their land. But the, but the deal is, we got to get it first. We got to believe this and continue to believe this with our hearts first. So, so you know, I, I, I pondered, why did I have such a reaction to that? That was a compliment. I should be like, well, thanks, James. I appreciate what you said. I was just angry. And I'm like, Okay, Lord, why am I reacting to this? You know why? That statement was setting me up, in my mind, for failure. The expectations of other people. Because I know, myself, apart from his grace, I can do nothing. If, if he doesn't anoint something I'm doing, if I'm not cooperating and partnering with the Holy Spirit, it's words. <laughs> and there's no spirit and there's no life. They're just words and they come out and they drop. Jesus said his words are spirit and they are life. And by the word, that life is Zoe. You know what that means? The quality of life God has. The quality of life God has. And he says that he's given us an abundant life. The thief has come to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. 
an abundance of the quality of life that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. Wow. I've been brought into that household. <laughs> I've been brought into that relationship. That unconditional love, that honor. That, that every day, you see, Jesus doesn't wake up. He, he doesn't sleep. But if he was to wake up in the morning... He wouldn't be wondering, I wonder if the Father loves me today. No, there, it's, just, it's just, it's written on his heart. What the Father spoke over him. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I have great delight. And, and that was written on the heart of Jesus. And that's what needs to be written on my heart. That when other people have opinions whether they're good opinions or bad opinions, they don't change how the Father sees me. Because the last thing I want to do is live for the approval of man. Because in Galatians we read, if you're going to be an approval of man, you cannot be a servant of Christ. And other people want to flatter you or criticize you so they can control you. So that their opinion of you is what controls your life. It's pretty strong stuff. You know, <clears throat> my sister's in, an, in a nursing home. And as I talk to some of the people there, you know, and, and I've talked to the nurses about this, many of these people in their 80s return to being like they were as children. And, and for many of them, they're living under critical words. They're still dominated in their life by what other people have said about them. And wow, that, that is the battle. This is the battle that, that Lauren Daigle's singing about. It's what you say compared to what they say. Now, she won a Grammy, not only, you know, for that song, but her album got um, a Grammy as well. So she picked up two Grammys on that, which, which elevates you to a different position in the music world. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's the opinions, the criticism, the scrutiny... She, she's going to be, you know, the, the, the shame-based people will try to pull her down and discredit her. And, and, but that success can be intoxicating. Oh, it's Lauren Daigle. You know, before, nobody heard of her. Now it's Lauren Daigle on the red carpet. She's a celebrity. But in the father's eyes... None of that adds to her value or worth. And if she were to lose everything and crash and burn tomorrow, none of her, her what, what, what she did wrong takes away from her value or worth. Isn't that cool? Because in the Father's eyes, we are qualified through one thing. We are qualified through the finished work of the cross alone. 
My value and worth is totally determined by what he has done for me, not what I do for him or don't do for him, which is so easy to say. And here I was last year, and you know, I've been teaching this stuff for 30 years. <laughs> and in talking to James, you know, and we're talking, we're just having some time together and how you doing, how you feeling, and being as vulnerable as possible. And both of us, you know, because he, he took two years of, of sabbatical. He said, oh, the stuff that was coming to the surface, you know, you think you know something. But then when you're, you're, you're not doing anything, stuff starts coming to the surface. So, last year, I get through this, this, this time and I've, I've, haven't flown anywhere since December 7th and I'm just about to go back on the road now next weekend. And I've had a lot of downtime. <laughs> and some stuff is bubbling to the surface. <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of shocking. But because he wants to increase. He wants me to have an ever-increasing faith. He wants, me, he wants to identify the things that are hindering my heart from believing it. And so I've had to do some soul searching. The ungodly beliefs. And you know, for, for, for most of us in this world, we're going to be challenged with one ungodly belief. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And so... You try to be better. You try to do more in order to be more. Which actually takes you in the opposite direction of his grace. We have to surrender in weakness. We have to humble ourselves and admit, wow. Lord, I thought I believed. One thing that really encourages me, and this is what he spoke to me, when Jesus called Peter, he was Simon, which meant reed. It bends in the wind. Simon meant reed. Jesus called him Peter, the rock. And so for every one of us, where there's wavering, you know, when, when the wind blows, somebody's... somebody's impact on our lives, that we, we may sway in the wind. We may be moved by their opinion. But his grace can turn you into a rock immovable. Yeah. It's just not coming under condemnation when you're going through the decrease. <laughs> when he's, he's, you're tested and Jesus said to Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me three times. Wow. And Peter was, I'll never do that, Lord. I'm not like the rest of these guys. I'm your number one guy. 
And of course, <laughs> and imagine how Peter felt. But he was one of the first ones Jesus went to after he was resurrected to restore him. Peter, I love you whether you denied me or you were faithful to me. Peter, I'm with you to help you get through this, to remove from you those, those, those opinions that cause you to waver so that you will be steadfast, that you will be immovable. Pretty amazing grace, isn't it? And so he takes us all like that. We're all like these reeds. You know, when I became a Christian, I was completely unaware of how I saw myself. I had tried up to that point to do and be what everybody else wanted me to do and be. Because every one of us are looking for approval. Every human being wants to know they're special in somebody's eyes. And <clears throat> that we, we, are, we are all looking for honor. We're looking for value and worth. And that comes through the eyes of someone looking at you. It comes through their opinions spoken over you. And if that was all negative, or if that was, you only got a good opinion if you performed well, then all that has to be changed from the reed to the rock. Wow, it's so easy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so simple, it's not easy. But it's like my whole, my whole view on how I see the Father, how I see myself, got to be turned right side up because I was upside down. And, and, and not living my life by what somebody else says, whether it's praise or criticism. You know, Proverbs says that our hearts are tested by the praise we receive. And it's easy, easy to go on an ego trip. You know, when, when somebody gives you praise for what you've done. But the humbling part is to realize I have his praise over my life because of what he did for me, not what I do for him. That's, that's the rock. That's what's got to get on the foundation of our lives. Otherwise, we are just like a reed for our whole lives. We're just living our lives and, you know, blown around by what other people say or think we should be or we are or we aren't instead of immovable on how the Father sees me. So, last year I come home, I start to be quiet, and all this stuff starts bubbling to the surface. <laughs> and because uh, he really wants me to understand why I do what I do. Why do I think the way I think? What's really in my heart? Because faith comes from the heart. Yeah. 
And to have faith, I have to believe the right thing. And I'm, I'm, I am called upon to have an increasing faith. I want to possess more and more of my inheritance. I want to be everything the Father says I am. I want to do everything he says he wants me to do. Is that what you want to do? Amen. I'm just going to be obedient. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> when we got up really early, um, I was sitting there, and I'd just been going through the New Testament again since January, and um, I started reading Revelation. You know, It's always one of those books that I just go, wow, it's just so much in here. But I feel it's a word um, to give to um, Elsie and Ramesh, but also to the people that are God is rising up in this area. Um, I was reading, um, you know, about um, the church in Ephesus, um, how it lost its, uh, you know, did all these things but lost its first love. And what, it, what really sticks out about you two, we've both said this, if we were in the Toronto area, we would go to your church. Um, because we know that it's, with you both, it's faith working through love. And I'm not saying that other churches, partners, or catches don't have that, but we, we, we feel we pick that up. When people come in, um, the simple thing is you, you put yourself forth to welcome them. There's a welcoming, and it's legit. It's not like a churchy, hi, how are you, fine. And it's something that God has worked through you both, through the fire. And, um, and then I saw... Um, what it is for your congregation, and it's funny, Peter alluded to um, Peter in the Bible. I was reading through, um, going backtracking through Matthew 13, 14, and 15 this morning, and um, to the part, you remember when um, uh, the disciples went on ahead, and they were about a mile out on the water, and um, Jesus walked on the water, you know, and people are freaking out. I would too. It's like how you live through it, and going, it's a ghost, and he says, don't be afraid, and he's saying that to the congregation, don't be afraid. Because he's got, his love is going to increase. As you let go, as Pete says, it's going to increase. And he said, come on out. I mean, I don't think he did it like holier than those who come out and walketh on the water. I think he said, come on, you know. You're going to love the ride. And, you know, people criticize him because he sunk. That bugs me. He got out of the boat. Did you see anybody else queue up for the job? He got out. And I thought that was awesome. And I want to say you too have gotten out of the boat. And I really believe that God has given you an ability um, with the Peters, um, the exuberance. God saw the heart of Peter, and God knew that he was a newbie, and, you know, he had a lot of energy and a lot of good thoughts, you know, and all that. But the beautiful thing, it wasn't just when he came back and restored him personally, one of the first things, but he asked him the question three times to take away the shame of the three times he utterly blew it and the rooster went, er, 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 you know? And how I saw you two, truly, and this is not flattery, I just, I, since we started worshiping and then that song kind of burst out of nowhere, the tape player back there, was, you know, there's people in a race that set the tone of the race. And they're, they're people who run themselves but they've been entrusted to kind of like start the pace of a race. 
And um, I saw that, and I also saw the qualifier um, race that um, Peter had a word the summer before the renewal broke out um, at family camp. And he saw this picture of, of all these um, car drivers, and all the car drivers had matching you know, outfits to their advertisement. And, um, but then all of a sudden, the qualifying car came in, and they all just came in, every single one of them. And that qualifying car stayed back here, and all of a sudden, there was people going through and they lost their cars. And some were put in other cars that didn't match their shirts. But I really believe that's the difference between the tone of the refreshing and true revival. I truly believe true revival is the kingdom of God is within. And you are the revival God's looking for. And what God is doing is he's, he's helping you make other people pace, pace leaders in the race, but also in the mobility and going to the nations. I know that you are made for Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. I know that the nations are in you so big that you are pregnant with nations. And the beautiful thing is though you take care of home plate and the multiplication. And that I see um, I, that couple that um, you gave the word uh, about communion and you gave the introduction. Um, you guys are pace, you, you're pace leaders too. And God has been putting that in. And um, I really think you, you must be really smarty clowns, clever people but I see you as runners. And I almost see you like um, mash new medical people that is just so full of the heart of God, of the healing of God, and the um, smarts of God, the wisdom of God, not just your smarts. And I just see that as um, in this congregation, I want you to take really a big breath and touch your heart that if you, if you keep looking at the things maybe you blew or you dismissed yourself or you deject yourself or you disqualify yourself, God's saying, take a breath, chill out. You've got pastors who know how to laugh at themselves and to not take themselves so serious, but to let the love of God wash it out of you. And so I want to speak that over you right now. Is that all right? Father, I thank you that you knew how to... Um, to meet Peter, um, and you weren't there scorning him, and you said, yeah, oh, little faith. Well, the little faith is because you knew the little was he didn't understand love at a heart level, and you kept letting him go through the journey, and Father, that that faith working through love is what changed everything when you reinstated him and said, feed my sheep. And so, Father, for each one in here, you have an inheritance, you have a destiny, you have a dream, and all dismissal, all dejection, all depression, and everything that tries to say other, Father, we say, it's your voice, it's what you say in Jesus' name over this group. And there's, I believe, it's not just Alpha, that's just one little annex, you people are the revival. You people are the revival, your words, your hug, your welcoming. You're the revival. You're the revival. It's already here. It is here. It's not waiting. You're it. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me finish this up. Um, in verse in, in Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, If you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That is, if you believe in your heart, you will receive. And the word receive there in the Greek 
actually is not a passive word. It's not sit back and wait. This is actually reach out, grab a hold of it, and make it your own. That's how you receive. <laughs> so if God's spoken to you this morning about something, you know, don't just listen. Oh, that's nice what happened to Peter Jackson. This is for me, Lord. I need to reach out, grab a hold, and take this and make it my own. That I will be strong. I will be courageous. I will lead these people to inherit the land and possess their inheritance. Amen? So you may be, you know, as, as I found myself over the last couple of months, you know, being aware all of a sudden the mirror, looking in the mirror and seeing my heart, what I really believe. And sometimes, you know, when you believe something like you're not good enough, um, it's, it's more than just uh, unbelief. It's, there's, there's demonic attachment to that. And because the enemy, he, he, he comes in on that kind of stuff. When we have, we can say all the right things with our mouth, but he watches how we, we act, what we really live. And, and so, you know, he wants to disqualify every one of us. Have you noticed? We're qualified in Christ, but the devil wants to disqualify us. That's, that's, he's the accuser. He's the one who's going to try to rob, kill, and destroy the most important thing from you. That you are qualified in Christ. And, and that you have an amazing inheritance as the result of that. So I just felt this morning, you know, maybe some of us, we're really wrestling with this. It's just, man, I remember one morning, we, we were just going through our declarations of faith. And both of us, at that moment, were feeling under it. It, it was demonic. And, and as we got to about the third declaration, the whole atmosphere changed. We're just, we're just laughing by the end of it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I felt this morning maybe some of us, were, we've been under attack that way. You know, February is called suicide month. It's, it's, it's the heaviness, the, the clouds. There's sunshine right above those clouds. <laughs> it's always there. And we just, we just need to clear the clouds away. So if that speaks to you this morning, you're welcome to come on up and we're going to pray together. And uh, don't all move at the same time. That would be good. <laughs> Anyone, just stand up if that speaks to you. You'd like to get prayer this morning. And just make your way on up to the front. <laughs>